0: Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.
1: And everybody loves good neighbours, Kevin. Yes,
0: they do.
1: Good neighbours make good friends.
0: Oh, you're not going to sing, are you?
1: Well, I'm feeling a bit sentimental and nostalgic.
0: I nearly was on Neighbours.
1: Oh, here we go. No, well, i will probably knocked
0: back a roll.
1: I actually had an ex-boyfriend who was on Neighbours as an okay. RACV mechanic. He had a scene with the Blakeney twins. Did he really?
0: <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. I was going to be a uh, a game show host. Oh, you
1: would have been great at that.
0: I forget who was going to be on the game show, but one of the one of the residents of... Ramsey Street was going to be oh. on uh, whatever it was and I was going to do that and I couldn't do it. So Oh,
1: so it, you didn't I, end up on the cutting room floor I you just wish, couldn't do yeah,
0: it. I wish I had have done it now. Well,
1: think, what about our I mate Vince Brian? Sorrenti did it. Our mate Brian Mannix was oh. the Irish jockey on Neighbours. The
0: worst dreadful bit, the, one of one of if they did a blooper tape of the stuff that Neighbours would like <laughs> Brian would uh, would uh, gladly oh. let them use that. Uh, so, and the reason we're talking about neighbours is because our guest this week is Alan Fletcher,
1: Oh, who plays uh, Dr. Carl Kennedy, has done so or did so for the past twenty-eight years.
0: Isn't that funny? You've got to get used to it being yeah. in the past. You've got to. So I'm saying did play, used yeah. to play.
1: Final ep was very emotional, <laughs> and yeah, you kudos to it. Uh, to uh, Guy Pearce for coming back. And you know, certainly wasn't beneath him to uh, to carry the the storyline from go to woe, the uh, romance rekindling of that between him and. Uh, and Annie Jones, who plays Jane Harris. Not that I've watched it for a while, but, oh, gee, it all came back to me. It was great.
0: Yeah, it was a very, uh, I mean, a show that had uh, amazing history and that it got kicked off one channel and finished yeah. up on another one and then, uh, you know, got kicked off that channel and put on their second channel. And then the ratings figures for the final mm-hmm. episode Massive. are in the two million mark. Yeah, it's yeah. A, It'll finish up being probably the biggest show of the year. Absolutely. As will this, the biggest <laughs> show of the year. Food Bites. Alan Fletcher is on Food Bites. Get ready. <laughs> and then we'll get to one of the uh, tastiest food polls we've ever done, one of the most mouth-watering food mm. polls we have ever done.
1: The reaction.
0: I'm thinking about the, the photo roof. now and uh, I'm, you know, my mouth is watering. But well. let's get to our guest for this week. It is Alan Fletcher from Neighbours. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.
1: Now, Alan, I... See that you and your lovely wife Jennifer Hanson. I see pics of you guys are dining out on occasion. It looks like you are you are both foodies. But um, what about when it comes to being at home? Who wears the apron there?
2: Oh well, in terms of in terms of food at home, we're we're terrible. I'm going to say we're absolutely shocking because I tend to look after myself and Jen looks after herself. Now that we're empty nesters. So, you know, Jen has her sort of particular cuisines that she prefers, and, and I have mine. And I'm very basic in my taste because my mum raised me on a, a, just a meat-free and tree veg guy. Mm-hmm. So I tend to I – I use my barbecue every night. So I, I love to get a, a pork loin chop, barbecue that up and have that with some salads or perhaps some cheesy broccoli or something of that nature. So very simple taste. Uh, but a lot of our meals, I've got to say, a lot of our meals come in through the door. Um, <laughs> we uh, we have a I have a huge passion for Asian food, in particular, like a Vietnamese fur or, uh, or or some lovely Indian curry. So um, yeah, a lot, I do get a lot of takeout. I have to say,
1: <laughs> you actually sound like you do what we do here in our house. We have what we call every man for himself night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a. Uh, I think, you know, it, but once it gets down to, in Jen and I, our case, just the two of us, mm. um, you know, then, then you do actually sit there and say, well, I'd, I'd rather just eat what I want to eat rather than uh, uh, someone actually having to toil in the kitchen to prepare a meal. Plus, you know, we're very busy. Jen's up at 4 a.m. in the morning to do to do breakfast radio and she's she's exhausted.
1: Mm. Um,
2: and I'm, I'm always running around like a lunatic. And lately, of course, I, I spend so much of my time talking to, the uk for work reasons and uh, for publicity reasons That generally from six o'clock through to about seven thirty eight o'clock i'm i'm doing zooms or or something of that nature so meals are often uh, cobbled together pretty quickly what about coffee are you a coffee drinker i have one in front of me right now (laughs) i have a a nice almond latte um yeah i I actually have a very uh, one thing generally i did do is we made sure we bought ourselves a really decent uh italian coffee machine and uh we, we, I pride myself in sitting there making my uh, my lattes and espressos, because you know, coffee. I think coffee is a very, very important ingredient in life.
0: Do you need it to get you going? I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it that kick starter? Is it a habitual thing that starts your day?
2: It's very habitual. I, I jump out of bed in the morning. I have two cups of tea uh, with my breakfast while I prepare for the day, and um, I give myself make sure I have given myself time for the two cups of tea. And then I have the, uh, the the coffee ready to go for to make a takeaway coffee to take out the door with me into the car. So that's my day starting. I oh, know the, the, the some so there might be doctors out there who say, "Geez, you could probably improve that diet," but um, it seems to suit me, and it does it sets me up beautifully for the day.
1: Alan, I know you've been talking about probably not much else lately, but uh, neighbours, the end of an era. I mean, it's it's Australian television history. You've been part of it for almost three decades, I mean, you along with Ray Ma, one of the, the longest serving actors in, in an Australian TV series. Um, look, it, it's just an incredible achievement. And how are you feeling at the minute? Is what, What's it like, life post Neighbours?
2: Well, see, it's kind of a bit, it's a bittersweet in a way because Dr. Carl gave me so many opportunities, particularly in the UK uh, for, for music. It's given me opportunities for uh, live shows and, and so forth. And and lots of television appearances over there so for me the future kind of it's quite rosy and interesting Like i i released an ep called Dispatches recently of country americana music which um is out there now in the marketplace and people seem to be enjoying it i've got an album to release later this year uh i'll be playing fe- festivals in the uk and here in australia tamworth country music festival plus i'll be touring my dr Carlin conversation <laughs> show in september uh, and doing a huge Neighbours farewell tour next year, so my first year out of Neighbours will actually probably be as busy as my last year in Neighbours.
1: You did recently, as you said, uh, you've been doing the you know the PR tour, I guess, and uh, you appeared on a morning TV show in the UK, and you were shown like a montage of, of Neighbours clips from over the years, and you you did become quite emotional when you looked at that. Is is it still hard to believe that? after, what, three decades for you, that it is that it is all over?
2: Yeah, totally. And and I think the reason I sort of got a little emotional is because what naturally happens when you watch old clips is you're, you're not actually sort of like, you know, you're not looking at yourself saying, oh, I'm making myself tear up. You're actually tearing up because you remember emotionally what it was like to film those scenes um, and how much you invested in the filming of those scenes and, and, and how much the other actors invested in it. And it's easy for people to forget that when you when you make TV uh, like Neighbours where there's so many emotional scenes, so many crying scenes, you know, so many weddings and funerals and so forth, that as an actor it's your job to really emotionally invest in that and try and bring all everything you've got to those. So when you watch them back again, you go, oh, wow, I remember that so well.
0: Do you like Dr. Carl?
2: <laughs> I do. He. Uh, what I like about him is he's, he's deeply flawed mm. and um, – and I think that we all are. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of my favourite philosophers, Elaine de Baton did a lecture in, in Love that my wife and I saw, and his keynote of that was that we are all very flawed people, and if we if we just realise that and start to, to find a way to love each other's flaws instead of trying to change each other, then a lot more people would probably stick together. And uh, that's the way I look at Carl Kennedy. He's a flawed man. He makes terrible mistakes, but he generally he uh, he uh, will recognise that he's made a mistake and apologise for it. So uh, I think he's a good man at heart.
1: So he's had his fair share of standout moments over the years. Whoa. Are there any particularly memorable storylines for you, Alan?
2: Well, I, I do think that the Carl Easy storyline was so magnificent in the triangle with, with Susan because, they you know, they, you can't, honestly the storylines are amazing. To dream up a story where... Uh, Carl decides as part of a midlife crisis he would like to be with this beautiful young woman who just laughs in his face and says, you've got to be joking. But once she finds out that she's pregnant to a dead man's uh, child, uh, she decides that she will have Dr. Carl embrace that. Incredibly, she falsifies medical records to convince him he's actually the father. And then by the time he finds out and dumps her, she has actually fallen in love with him. And and that magically has his child anyway. So... uh, (laughs) It's pretty intense stuff, and so enjoyable to play. And they all lived happily ever after, <laughs> sort of. Well, Izzy's back again for these last episodes of Neighbours, and and uh, she really throws a cat amongst the pigeons on this next return. Well, one thing is about Izzy Hoyland is that she there is no there is no peace of mind to be had when she's around.
1: <laughs> you and uh, the wonderful Jackie Woodburn, you go back a long way, um, Alan. I mean, because. You look up Wikipedia, you can see that you oh, both started well, you were both in cop shop and <laughs> Jackie at that stage was playing I think your sister, not your wife that's
2: right that's right in fact, we just had a cop shop reunion um amongst the cast uh, and some fans on the weekend, and they showed all that footage they showed the footage of Jackie and I talking in the coffee shop as brother and sister and um <laughs> there was there were I must say you know quite interesting parallels to Carl and Susan in that conversation and um Jackie's been a huge pal uh, pal of mine for for all those years. That's back probably 1982. So, you know, we're um, we're talking 40 years now, dear friend. When I heard she was going to be playing Susan Kennedy, I jumped for joy because, you know, I knew just how well we got on. And to be frank with you, yes, I've done 28 years, but I probably really wouldn't have done 28 years if I hadn't been working with someone like Jackie because of the, you know, just the nature of our relationship was such that, have we, we we got the best out of each other as actors and at screens
0: what about a dr Carl spin-off did they did they discuss <laughs> that at any stage
2: oh, I've given I've given them i think about 14 or 15 suggestions strangely they haven't taken any of them up <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know it, it, of course I've got so much dr. Carl activity going on you know in the live arena that's that's very satisfying yep. for me mm. and I think that I think that um you know the, the, where, how things develop from here. Uh, it's, but I've got some projects in mind, some ideas in mind, and it'll be it'll be time probably to move to something completely different. But um, and do do other things. I love the comedy aspect of playing Carl Kennedy. Uh, he does give himself in some real pickles and uh, uh, and does some pretty silly things. And uh, I really enjoy playing the comedy. So that's something I'd like to be focusing on an enormous amount. Yeah. I
1: love the joy in your voice, Alan, when you talk about uh, your musical career and how you, you love music and uh, how satisfying is it having that uh, that live uh, audience?
2: Oh, goodness. I've just come back from the UK. We did two live shows in the UK to beautiful, intimate, sort of, you know, 80 people in, in magnificent venues and there is nothing, either, I don't think, more rewarding than just to to introduce a song to an audience. They've never heard it and yet tell, like, I've got a song about my mum and, and my, my great aunt who are both spiritualists and it's a song about that notion of someone beyond the grave guiding your life and you, you sing that song and at the end of it people applaud and you go, you, know, you, you realise in fact they have enjoyed your take on that, on that, that, that notion and, and writing your own songs about your life and other people's lives is so rewarding, intensely rewarding.
0: When did you start to uh, toying around with the music side of it, Alan?
2: Well, two thousand four, I was at um, a, a wonderful Valentine's Day dinner with my beautiful wife, and there were two lads playing music in the restaurant, so background music. Uh, we got chatting, and they said, "Come and have a sing with us." So I had a sing, and they said, "We should, we should, we should play together." <laughs> now there was a big neighbours night going on in Melbourne in those days, and uh, all the backpackers would come along. So we sold the idea of putting a band together to play at that night, and that grew into a band that uh, recorded its first album in two thousand five, toured the uk 10 times over eight years and played a residency in melbourne for 12 years and marvelous to write music with that band and to to play there um it was, yeah, it was a really really beautiful thing and of course I, I i fell away from that and then in 2019 back to tamworth I, I met up with some of australia's best americana country artists and they invited me to come down to their studio and start recording music uh, again in that genre which i've always loved so yeah it's a big part of my life, and um. Uh, it's, it's storytelling. It's you know I don't I don't sit back and call myself the greatest singer ever ever born. I, I, for me, it's being a performer and telling stories.
1: How do you go with the touring aspect of it, um, Alan? I mean, I, I imagine that would make it hard to make healthy food choices on the road.
2: Uh, uh, that is, you, you're absolutely on the money there. It's the toughest thing. When I first started touring the UK with my band, Waiting Room, um, British cuisine and British food <laughs> opportunities were but very poor. Mm. Um, but over the years, I've seen a massive change there, with huge improvements in fresh food. I mean, stores like Marks and Spencers, for instance, you know, are now crowded, but with people of a mealtime. you know, on their way home from work, picking up a healthy choice meal, and so uh, you know, salads and so forth. You can eat very healthily on the road, but you do have to be a bit conscious about it. You know, you don't just say, "Oh, I'll pop into this little bakery and grab a sausage roll." You've got to actually make a conscious decision to buy some fruit, um, you know, make sure you're drinking plenty of water and all that sort of stuff and, uh, you know, stay away from drinking too much grog at night and just, you've really got to be vigilant about it and treat it, treat it very professionally.
1: Now, dietary habits change as we, uh, as we get older, Alan, but um, do you have any, I guess, guilty pleasures or if you're going to have one, a big blowout one night, what, uh, what do you get stuck into?
2: That's interesting, that because it's. I used to count my calories. That was a big thing for me to keep. Yeah, to keep my weight down. I would yeah. count calories. And I haven't been doing it for about six months, and you can get. You, know, you can probably imagine now that I'm the scales are tipping the wrong way again. <laughs> um, so if I was going to have a guilty pleasure, I have to say chocolate is and so it will always be one of my my, my true guilty pleasures. Um, but you know, also I've got to say I love a red wine, and when you're counting calories, <laughs> you've got to you've got to count the calories in the red wine just as much as in the food. So um, you know, that would be my kind of you know, my little my little treat to myself at the end of the day to maybe have a have a glass
0: of red wine.
1: Oh, they're both full of antioxidants, so yeah, you're on the right you. track.
0: Yeah, they're absolutely, exactly. absolutely good for you. Exactly. Hey, if you were having a dinner party at home, uh, you know, just uh, you could invite anybody you like, anyone you like, dead or alive. Who would make your list?
2: Well, uh, I might sound a bit poncy about this, but I have three passions in life. One of them is philosophy. Hmm. Um, I've, I've been I studied philosophy all through university and in, my, in right into my thirties and there is a philosopher in the uk his name is alain de botton i've mentioned him before about his lecture on love um, i've read all of his books Elaine's principle is to take the great uh, threads of philosophy and apply them to practical life so that you know he provides guides for living i suppose using uh, the philosophy of people like marcus aurelius and the stoics and and the existentialist, etc. So I love his books. I love his philosophy on life, and uh, and read him assiduously. And I would love to have him around the dinner table to, to talk philosophy. Um, of course, I love music, and I love country music. Um, so I, I, I reckon for, just for the fun of it, Willie Nelson would have to be have a seat at the table. Uh, and uh, and the the other musician I have always respected and has been probably the the the, the one I've modelled so much of what I do on is uh, is Elvis Costello. Um, because he crosses right across from punk music into country and so forth, um, and then for comedy for fun and and also a great singer. I'd love Bette Midler to be there just mm-hmm. to have a laugh with us, um, and I think she'd keep everybody honest because uh, I don't know if you follow Bette Midler on Twitter or anything like that, but she's very <laughs> oh, she's very yeah she's very <laughs> good at keeping people honest. And, and lastly, I'd like to have, I'd really love to have Julia Gillard there to be honest because um, I think she she. Reigned as Australian Prime Minister at one of the toughest times in politics, um, at times of enormous turmoil. I think we had four prime ministers in five years, and uh, I would love to be there to get her take on, on not just on you know the, the machinations of politics, but also on just how badly she was treated, and, and and get a real sense of you know of her 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 life at that uh, at that time of uh, politics. Yeah. That's
1: a really interesting yeah, mix, it is. isn't it? And you could fire up the uh, the Barbie that night. And you could just oh
2: absolutely. oh, absolutely. I reckon I reckon Bette Middle and myself would do the cooking, unless they'd leave everyone else to have an act.
0: Get uh, Dolores Delago, the toast of Chicago, which was one of Bette's lovely stage uh, personas that uh, used to not take any prisoners when she was around.
2: Yeah, I used to love her Sophie Tucker stuff as well. Yeah, but she, yeah, yeah, really she did, did did live. Yeah.
0: So you obviously got a very busy. Uh, I mean, neighbours may be finishing, but you've obviously got a very busy plate uh, in front of you.
2: Yeah, I, I um, I mean, I I do take, um, I always make sure I take time out during the day to just sit and play the guitar, or to sit down with my my daughter has a passion for uh, all things popular culture. You know, she loves horror movies and and uh, and lots and lots of different styles of TV shows, including Disney movies. And lately, to my enormous pleasure, my daughter has discovered Elvis Presley at the age of twenty seven after seeing the Baz movie. She's intoxicated with Elvis. So we now we, we regularly sit down and watch. Well, she's watched almost every Elvis movie ever made. Oh, dear. Uh, wow. we, oh. We, watched, we watched, I know we watched Follow That Dream the other oh night. Oh, dear. Uh, but not just the movies. she also loves the documentaries, and uh, there's plenty of them. So I was able to introduce her to the, the 1968 comeback special on, oh on NBC. Incredible. Um, so I love the fact that she loves Elvis, and my, my son loves Elvis as well. So we've got that in common. Um, but uh, sometimes watching the horror movies with her is a bridge too far. <laughs> um, I have to say the, well, I've watched every Saw movie with her and they become harder and harder to watch. But uh, she just sits there laughing, but they, they get me a bit. Um, so I, I do make sure I take time out for my daughter and my and my beautiful wife to watch a bit of telly. And I love going to the footy with my son and watching the Essendon Bombers do their very best to be mediocre. Um, <laughs> very
1: diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it lovely yeah. how everything old is new again when it comes to uh, to retro music and, uh, and, and artists? I just think that's wonderful that the younger generations are uh, embracing the music of our <laughs> childhood yep. and young adulthood. Oh, totally.
2: Totally. My son, you know, he, my, he, he uh, adores the Beatles. Um, you know, he, I mean, he, he loves all, so many genres of music, but he adores the Beatles. And he, he, he basically anything that was in my record cupboard. He, um, he latched onto and he's become quite a fine pianist uh, as well as a top-notch uh, lawyer. So uh, uh, he's um, he's got a very eclectic sort of range of music tastes as well. You're quite right, though. I think that good music is good music. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. what era it was created. The Doors being one of my favourite groups uh, ever, and I, I play Doors music now and I listen to it I think, you know what, if that was released tomorrow, I reckon it would go to the top of the charts.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Hey, Alan, I just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you, if you didn't mind, um, the p- opinions have been divided um, on uh, the Logies and the acknowledgement um, of, of Neighbours at the Logies. I wanted to ask if you thought um, it was appropriate.
2: Oh, I thought it was a bit lacklustre, um, I mean, a bit cursory. Cursory would be the way to, to say it. I mean, I think that there was, um, there was an awful lot that could have been said and done for Neighbours after 37 years, and, you know, the show – The show is part of the the Hall of Fame. Um, I think probably the thing that disappointed me the most is that uh, Jackie Woodburn, who's played Susan Kennedy for 28 years, was uh, unsighted in the tribute. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe a little bit more thought could have been given to the editing of that package and making it a bit longer. Um, But, you know, I mean, we had our acknowledgement. I wasn't at the Logies, and I think being there in the room would have felt a lot different than it was me watching it on a TV screen. Um, you know, you're making your cup of tea and the neighbours thing comes on, you watch it and go oh, well there we are, um, we've, we've done that, but I know for people in the room it was pretty tough. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well listen uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the program, we've really appreciated it, we've loved your work as Dr Carl and we look forward to what uh, what's coming up in the future and it's obviously a hell of a lot. Thank you.
2: Yeah, well thank you, thanks Kevin, thanks Sarah it was a really interesting chat, appreciate it. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier
0: uh, Dr. Carl, yes. no more. No more. <laughs> Still Dr.
1: getting Carl. my head around that, but uh, what a wonderful
0: innings. Yeah, no, good on him. And uh, look, his music career uh, goes from strength to strength that he'll be doing all those uh, tours and stuff that yes. he's going to be doing next year with the Dr. Carl speaking to all that sort of stuff. It'll be good. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: oh, oh good now, Kevin, it's a long way to the shop if you want a sausage roll.
0: Oh, crikey. Uh, the, as I said at the start of the show, the most mouthwatering uh, food poll, I think we've ever well, done. Well, the picky that, on the oh, Facebook
1: page is just divine, isn't I it? love
0: sausage rolls. Flaky I'm, pastry. I'm, oh, I'm such juicy a Juicy sausage,
1: for but they have to be homemade. I think we all agree on that. Although you found a reasonably
0: good Ferguson bought played version. a pretty good one, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and some of the ones you find in uh, country bakeries, oh, oh telling Yeah,
1: but, oh, gee, we had a massive response to this. Oh, it's hard to yeah, know where so to start. Apologies
0: to the amount of people we've left <laughs> out of this, because, uh, seriously, uh, there were there were literally hundreds.
1: Shall I dive straight in? Okay. Stasia says, homemade sausage rolls made with sausage meat from our local butcher with a few added veggies. They just don't last in our house. And
0: neither they should. Muriel Cooper says, yes, yes,
1: yes. Terry Daniel, oh, yes, as an appetiser before a yummy meat pie.
0: No, you don't need to do and that. And the main though. as well. You don't need to do that. Sylvana says, that's a yes from me. Love sausage rolls.
1: Sue Landry, yay, yum. A good homemade sausage roll is just
0: delicious. Ron Davis says, yes, ours are fresh out of the oven. Oh, an hour ago, is oh, he Oh, yummy. Don't tease us. He put a photo up too and they did look good, Oh,
1: Leonie, absolutely, especially homemade sweet potato and feta. I think our mate Wayne might have something to say about that. Yes.
0: Uh, The things you put in them Ah. will uh, will be revealed as we go along. Caroline says only homemade fruit chutney, curry powder, onion and grated carrot. Delish.
1: And okay. no tomato sauce to spoil them, she yeah, says. You'd agree, well, I with, agree that. with that, yeah. Good
0: ones don't need them.
1: Rebecca Kane says yes. One of the first things I veganized, I think Wayne might have something to say about that.
0: Pamela Maybe. said I made some the other day. Love homemade sausage rolls. I put some barbecue sauce oh. and grated carrot in mine, as well as the usual ingredients.
1: I've heard grated apple and pork goes well.
0: Oh, Hope can we sa- stop mucking around with it? Hope
1: says yes, please. Only the gourmet variety, oh, though. See,
0: that's what I mean. Or in Glenn. Kevin's
1: case, gourmet.
0: Uh, yes. That's that's the one. Uh, Glenn Wilson says, I, made a batch, I make a batch every oh, month. Oh, why
1: wouldn't you? Paul Meany, as irresistible as hot chips. That's fairly spot on.
0: Put them together.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Oh. Mark Hardy says, absolutely nothing better on a cold day.
1: Sally, how is this even a question? Yay every day of the week and twice on Sundays.
0: Old Croaky says, a big yay. The real good ones don't need sauce. Thumbs up there, Old Croaky. Stuart,
1: is the Pope a Catholic?
0: Sandy Creek says, yay, I've been known to bring some lamb, harissa and pork fennel sausage rolls home from the Burke Street Bakery in Surrey Hills. In Sydney. There you go. Danny
1: McGinlay, on what planet... Is anyone voting nay?
0: He's right. Stephen says, indeed, chicken mince makes a grand roll too, by the way. Yes. I'm not sure, Stephen, about that.
1: Well, gosh, you're a purist, aren't you, Kevin? Well,
0: they're called sausage rolls, not bloody chicken mince rolls. You can have chicken sausages.
1: Karen says, absolutely yay. My sausage rolls are famous in our house. (laughs) That's
0: good, Karen. It'd be terrible if they weren't. (laughs) It'd be shocking if you couldn't even get famous for your sausage rolls in your own house. Um, Anne-Lee says, yes, with tomato sauce.
1: Michelle Smith says, definitely homemade. And I also like making cheese and Vegemite ones.
0: We may Mm. just have crossed a line there. Adele says, absolutely, as long as there's no carrot in them, it just doesn't belong.
1: It makes it moist. Joylene, I'm making them this morning. I'd love some new ideas, actually.
0: Oh, look, and please share on our Facebook page. If you have any recipe ideas uh, for sausage rolls or anything, whack it up there. Yeah,
1: wake it up there, Kevin.
0: Uh, Now, uh, Julie says, yay, must be homemade or bakery made.
1: I'm going to do the next two. Bart Shaw says the barometer of all finger foods and half time spreads. That is true. And Peter Simmons says yum with a glass of wine. See that makes it classy, a classy sausage roll.
0: Well hold that classy notion because here comes Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Just hang on to your classy bit for a moment. Hang on to your sausage rolls. Because we may be about to descend into the sausage roll of obscurity here. Sausage roll Hall of Fame. Wayne writes, the humble sausage roll is yet another victim of the wankification of food. That's a that is him <laughs> That's either a t-shirt or a coffee cup. Uh, that has become a boil on the butt of the culinary world. Oh, yeah, a sausage roll is a magnificently simple repast for the working man. Oh, yes. For centuries it has fueled the hardened workers that fired the industries that drive humanity forward. <laughs> yes. I can see workers during their Industrial Revolution building bridges, wrestling with steam engines, or toiling down the pit, being fueled by a pastry filled with mung beans, couscous, and some other yuppie. Rubbish! No, you can't see you that. Can't can you? see that. Right, a sausage roll must contain meat. This is non-negotiable. <laughs> yeah. It's something. If hang on, I'll get this right, because <laughs> this is where we get a bit controversial. If something didn't eat grass, get capped and then ground up for this delicacy, Ooh. then it's just a savoury roll. <laughs> It's not something to be paired with a... (laughs) Frapper
1: Mocker Double Chino.
0: Thank you. Uh, Thing is, you sit out to the front of a cafe with all the other plastic people patting yourselves on the back for driving a Prius and saving the world. (laughs) And if people answer, but that will ruin the flavour when you ask for sauce for the aforementioned hippie pastry case, then it's also not a Ah. sausage roll. It is a massive yay for me on the sausage roll. Just make sure that it lives up to its name and pairs magnificently with some good old-fashioned dead horse.
1: Hey, tomato sauce. Oh, Wayne, You've done do you know, it again. You know,
0: this is a first. This has never ever happened oh, what? to my knowledge in the history ever. of this particular uh, podcast. 200
1: odd episodes. Never
0: have we had a food poll where there has not been one. No.
1: Oh, 100%. Even even
0: all the ones that I didn't uh, include in this in this list that we we just didn't have time to do, there was not one nay.
1: But it's controversial because some people consider that sausage rolls don't need to be made of sausage. <laughs> We've got, you know, we've got a sweet potato and feta in there.
0: No. No. We've got no,
1: some veggie no. ones in there. No, the only nay no is, the no is coming from me. Some veganised
0: ones in The only nay is coming from me. I'm with Wayne. It has, uh, it, uh, don't, no more wankification of food. Mm. Let's get a sausage roll made out of sausages and let's go. Off we go. <laughs> and they're beautiful.
1: The simple is the best. And I
0: must say, Joan Murphy at the Spotswood Football Club made the best oh, sausage rolls I've ever that. tasted in my life.
1: What about mine, Kevin? None. I've made them before. Joan
0: Murphy from the <gasps> Spotswood Football Club, best I've ever tasted in my life. You Good on you, Joan. take that back. Mrs. Spud. Uh, She's an absolute beauty and used to bring them over and uh, tell you she'd put them there and the boys, they'd get Mm. there just before half time and if there were any left at halftime after i have been through them, they were very lucky. I've
1: heard she oh, sounds yum. legendary.
0: Yeah, no, the beautiful sausage rolls. Yeah, uh, and that is uh, our program uh, for uh, this week. Once again, thanks to Alan Fletcher for yeah. being a great sport and being on the program. And uh, he was very busy at the time with the you know doing all, interview after interview. Yeah, so we uh, we really do appreciate that. Hope you've enjoyed the program. Don't forget, there's a radio version on Sunday mornings yes. across the ACE Radio Network uh, across uh, regional Victoria and New South Wales. So if you get a chance, have a listen. Nine o'clock on a Sunday morning it goes well with a couple tea, <laughs> not a biscuit and no a sausage roll. As do you, Kevin. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.